Hey, Sober Guy fam, I just wanted to say before we start today how great it is to be a part of your sobriety and your journey. Uh, I also want to say how grateful I am to be able to have my friend and pastor, Jeremy White, on the podcast today. Now, Jeremy is probably one of the most real and authentic guys uh, that I know. He, he really cares about people. He cares about bringing the word of God to people, uh, but doing it in a way that's not weird or cheesy. And I think you'll hear that. And I think you'll hear what I'm talking about when you listen to the discussion that we had. I also want to say a huge shout of love to Pastor Isaac and the whole Valley Church staff and uh, just say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Uh, Y'all do an amazing job and Jess and the kids and I couldn't ask for a better church to call home. Now, some of the things that we talk about today are some common questions that we've heard or that we've had asked to us and also some things that I myself and Jeremy have pondered in our own minds too. Uh, some of those things like if there's so much evil in the world, how could there even be a God or why do so many people struggle with the word or the thought of God? And we also talk about the difference and, and this one is one of my favorites because I have had so many conversations and thoughts of my own about this, uh, the difference between religion and and spirituality. I feel like so many of us can get caught up in the religion aspect of things, which really can be confusing at times. I know there might be people listening that as soon as they hear the word God or they hear the word church or they hear the word pastor, they want to run. There's like, nope, I'm, I don't want to hear it. Um, maybe they have doubts about God or um, maybe they were hurt by a church or, or a religious organization or maybe even they just had a bad experience with a priest or, or a pastor or a leader uh, in, in a church. Um, if that's you, man, I'm genuinely sorry. And I know for a fact, Pastor Jeremy would say the same thing. He would say, I'm genuinely sorry for that, that you've had to go through something like that. But I want to encourage you all and tell you today. You don't have to run. Now, I get it. We all have doubts at times. You know, they come, they go. It's it's part of being a human being. I have doubts still. And you'll hear me, uh, even in the podcast today, um, you know, express some of those doubts and even outright confusion, actually, during some of this. Like, I, I felt a little off in today's podcast, and you'll hear towards the end, I, I kind of just... I was almost just in, in this sense where I didn't know what to say. And that's because I get caught up in my own human mind because I feel like it's this separate entity sometimes than my spirit. And that, that goes to, you know, in turn to my own sense of trying to figure things out. And like, I want all the answers and I still struggle with that at times. I still struggle with a lack of worthiness sometimes. And guess what? After I got done today, and Pastor Jeremy and I were done. I thought about this and I sat here and I, I, I did something that I've learned to do over time and that I'm getting better at. I said, you know what, Shane, that's okay. It's okay. It's okay that you feel like that. And I allowed myself to, to feel. And man, like it, it's, it's, it's very powerful to be able to accept that and do it and not have to have all the answers and not be um, the one who knows everything, you know? Like I don't have all the answers. I'm far from perfect. And I realize I don't need all the answers. And I definitely don't need to be perfect. Now, I believe in God. I believe in something higher. And I know that I feel the best when I can love others and serve others 
in the moment. And to me, that is an actual act of God, which already lives inside of me. So for me, I have to keep it simple and I just got to show up and let God do the rest. Now, I want to ask you today just to have an open mind if you wrestle with the concept or the idea of God. And if you don't and you're all in for Jesus and you're all in for God, you're all in for your spirituality, that's amazing too. I'm, I'm so happy that that could be the case already. But I promise you, there's a message for each and every one of you listening today. And all you have to do is open your heart up and receive it. I love you, and I'm so excited to share this conversation with you. So let's start the show. That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Shane Raymer. You're listening to That Sober Guy podcast, and we help people stay sober. If it's your first time listening, welcome to the show. I'm so glad that you're here today. Our guest today is one of my favorite people in the world. He's my friend. He's my pastor. He's an all-around amazing dude. Pastor Jeremy White is here, so I'm very excited to chat with him and uh, give you a little background about Jeremy. He joined the Valley Church staff in out here in Vacaville, California, where I am from as well. Uh, in 2005, and uh, he began serving as lead pastor there in 2009 after doing 14 years in youth ministry. Uh, he loves teaching the Bible, um, developing leaders, uh, staff, casting vision. He's an awesome, outspoken leader in our community uh, and, and just a great dude. He loves sport. He loves the Dodgers, okay? So for you Dodger fans out there, I'm sure we'll be talking some Dodger baseball, maybe a little A's baseball. And uh, I've, I've had the pleasure and honor of playing golf with him quite a few times. So we have some, some fun doing that. And uh, we're going to get to Jeremy here in just a minute. But first, just a couple of announcements. Man, are you tired of drinking? Maybe that's why you're here today. Maybe you're going, man, where, what do I do with this? Uh, we have a lot of resources at thatsoberguy.com. We have some meetings for you. We have some programs. We have a 30-day program called Quit Drinking Dude, the ultimate men's guide to quit drinking alcohol and stay sober for 30 days or more. It's a great place to start. Uh, as well as many of the other resources on our website. So uh, you can go to thatsoberguy.com or you can go to quitdrinkingdude.com, either one of those, uh, and that'll get you started in that, uh, in that process if you're looking for some additional uh, help. I'm also um, going to be running a mastermind group coming up here in the spring, a new one. I mentioned it uh, just, just uh, in last episode. Um, and we're going to start in the springtime. So if you're interested in that, you want to know what the heck is a mastermind group, um, or I think we're going to cap it around six or seven dudes. So just go to that sober guy.com. You can click on the mastermind group tab. There's a questionnaire there that you can fill out and uh, that'll get you started in that process. And then last but not least, you can follow us on Instagram at that sober guy podcast. And of course, join us in our sober guy men's group on locals. You can go to the app store and get that app there. Uh, you can also go to that sober guy podcast.locals.com and a shout out to all my locals dudes. We're doing our Wednesday night men's meeting at 5 PM. Last night we had a, a guest speaker, a good buddy of mine, static who came on and talked a little bit about his story. And, uh, and then we had a great discussion afterwards. Some of the guys were hanging out in the room and just chatting it up and it's awesome. We have dudes from all over the country in there, which is just an amazing thing, sharing and connecting and supporting each other. So, uh, be sure to join us on the locals men's group. If you're looking for uh, a men's group to hang out with. Um, all right. 
Pastor Jeremy White, my good friend, and I love you, man. I'm, I'm so happy that you're here today. And uh, this is the first podcast we've done together. Uh, and it's just great to have you today. How are you, man? Hey, I'm well, man. I'm um, psyched to be here with you. And uh, I've been a fan of your uh, your podcast for a while, you know, uh, so I love what you do. I love how just raw and relevant it is. And uh, I'm happy to be here, man. Yeah, yeah, me too. I'm happy to have you. Um, I feel like, you know, obviously, I, I, I hear you, um, you know, at, at church, I hear you give the word and then we hang out, you know, outside of that as well and talk, but it really is, uh, just a, a, a great opportunity today just to sit down and have you on the podcast. And I want to learn a little bit more about you too, um, and, and help others understand that. So maybe we can start there. Um, if you, uh, maybe just take us back a little bit, just give us a little background about yourself, how you got into ministry. Uh, and then, and then we'll just, we'll just kind of roll from there. We're going to let God lead the conversation today. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thanks, man. I grew up in a a home that, uh, where my parents became uh, believers in, in Jesus Christ when I was about two years old and they both came out of a line of, uh, not, you know, uh, not anything earth shatteringly horrific, but, um, some, some difficult pass, um, that they sort of some, some garbage and baggage that, that they brought into their marriage, you know, and, and into their new life in Christ. And so, um, man, they did their best to, to raise me with a foundation, but, um, and, and, and by God's grace, we have a, a good relationship today, but, uh, we went through some seasons and some times that were really difficult. And, um, I grew up with a lot of, uh, you know, confusion, disillusionment toward God, um, because of all the dysfunction we had going on in our own family. Um, I, by the time I was in probably middle school, maybe even a little younger than that, I I started to really wrestle with a a lot of doubt about God. And, um, is he real? Um, how come if he's real, how come, you know, our family seems to be so messed up compared to everybody else's family Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, all those questions. And so got to a place where I was in high school, um, not making the best decisions, um, you know, n- not on the verge of going to prison or anything at that point, but uh, I can definitely see looking back how things could have led that way. And uh, just, um, you know, came to Christ. A, a youth pastor stepped into my life uh, when I was not really looking for God. In fact, I was pretty bitter toward him. And uh, just a guy that just loved me um, with all my blemishes, uh, loved me right where I was at, didn't judge me, um, spoke truth into my life, but, but he, he earned the right to be heard, uh, in my life by just loving me unconditionally and God used him. And, um, man, my, my transformation was so radical that, um, I just knew, uh, you know, I just knew that that's, if there was, if there was one kid I could maybe touch in the same way, uh, and, and, and just, you know, see their life transformed like mine was, it would be worth an entire career in youth ministry. So that's what I set out to do. Uh, went to Bible college, got married, got, went to Bible college, became a youth pastor, did that for 14 years, some of the best years of my life. And then in 2009 uh, was asked, 2008 was asked and 2009 transitioned into my role as lead pastor here at Valley. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. That's it in about a minute, which is tough, huh? Like putting it all all together. And now you were a youth pastor up in Redding, California, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah for quite a few years. So yeah. um, we were up there and and uh, did a saw, you know did a lot of fun fun stuff. I was born in Southern Cal, but my parents moved us up to the extreme Northern Cal. Seemed like the opposite end of the world uh, as a kid. 
But um, yeah, so I grew up in that area. And then my grandpa and grandparents were still down in LA. And so I still spent, you know, some time down there with them. So I was kind of a little bit country, a little bit rock and roll. You know, that's what people call me. So, <laughs> Well, that would explain the, uh, you know, the Dodger love, the Dodger blue yeah. love. Uh, even on the golf course, man, you're rocking the Dodger hat. You know, even at church, actually, <laughs> I've been trying to get. We've been trying to get uh, our in-laws to come join us at church one Sunday, and and we said, "Hey, you would love Pastor Jeremy. Even wears it because they're big time Dodger fans too." We say, "Even wears his Dodger jersey sometime." It was must have been around baseball season, but um, man, dude, I love some baseball. I'm hoping that uh, they actually uh, can yeah. deal with this lockout thing because I want to watch some baseball too. Yeah, me too, man. If we do a, uh, a a rematch of the 88 World Series, the Oakland Athletics versus the Los Angeles Dodgers, that'd be great. Without well, you and I are going to have to drop some cheddar and go to one of those games. <laughs> if that happens. Oh, yeah. That would, that's, that's for <laughs> sure. Yeah, you mentioned coming back, um, you know, being in Southern California and then coming back up uh, or, or coming to for you up to Northern California. We just kind of had experienced some of that ourselves, you know, being down there for a while and then coming back to Northern California. It's hard to come back from uh, the, the beach, man, in that area down there. Cal everyone thinks of California, I think of just like SoCal, but there's a, a wide, you know, um, a pretty wide scope of California. You can go mountains, you can go Central yeah. Valley, you can go coastal. And so there's a lot of different, uh, different things down there that you can, uh, you know, hang out and enjoy it's a great place a little weird though it is <laughs> yeah it's got some weirdness for sure but it is a uh, you know when you talk about climate and opportunity to just do amazing things uh you know yeah. it's it's probably the most climate wise uh you know and just environment wise is probably the most diverse place you could imagine you know oh yeah yep what do you think is like What's your favorite thing? It's kind of a, a, a cheesy question, but what is it like, seriously, what's your favorite thing about being a pastor? Like that's like a, you know, that's a, your job never stops basically, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's a lot. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, my, my favorite thing, and, and this is going to sound like the cliche answer. Uh, my favorite thing is, is seeing people grow in their relationship with Christ and to come to Christ in the first place. Um, so that's my, the big picture favorite thing. I think, I think personally for me, um, it's, I love the fact that, uh, it's a, it's a humbling thing because, um, for me, I, I don't, um, never does a day go by that I feel like I somehow deserve to be in this role. Um, you know, it's, I'm just a, I'm just a walking, talking uh, testament to a God that loves people that don't deserve to be loved. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and, uh, that's really, um, you know, why I'm such a big, um, I'm, I'm known, I guess, as a, as a preacher of God's grace, um, because God's grace is, is really the heart of the gospel. And, uh, mm -hmm. and I've received so much of it. I've been forgiven of so much. How can I not be uh, a proclaimer, <laughs> yeah. you know, and hopefully yeah. a giver of God's forgiveness and grace to others. And, and that's, so that's the, for me personally, I just feel like it's God's used it. Um, I know he uses me to minister to other people, which I'm so grateful for, but God has actually used the ministry itself to minister to me, to remind me just what a good God he is yeah. and that he uses messed up, broken people, uh, to, to bring him glory. So, I, so th this has been coming up in 
um, a couple of discussions lately, just in meetings throughout the week. And I mean, really throughout the years, but just really in, in the last week, a lot is these questions about, about God and the, and the difference between like religion and, and, and loving God and having a, um, you know, a relationship with God, a spiritual connection there. Um, do you think there's a difference there? And like, how, how can you better explain that than I did? <laughs> yeah, I think you did great. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think there's a difference in, and, um, I, I feel like, you know, the, there's, there's two major ditches that, that God wants to rescue us from. One is the ditch of what I would call rebellion. Um, you know, that that's the ditch where we, we walk away from God. We say, you know, screw God. We, we, um, we, we just want to live according to our own, uh, sense of, uh, um, ownership over our lives. And, you know, so we walk in that rebellion away from him. And then the other ditch is possibly more dangerous in my opinion. And that's the ditch of religion. So you got the ditch of rebellion and the, the ditch of religion. And the crazy thing is, and I've shared this with people before, but the crazy thing is, is that as a pastor, it seems like 90% of what I get asked to deal with in people's lives is, you know, people who have fallen into the ditch of, of rebellion, you know, the obvious stuff, um, you know, unfaithfulness in marriage, uh, substance abuse, um, you know, some dishonesty, you know, um, that kind of stuff going on. And, and it's, it's real stuff, but it's, it's kind of the obvious, you know, stuff that, yeah, that's, that's not good. And, and, and I love trying to help people leave that life behind and, and, and come to Christ at the same time though, religion, the, the ditch of religion can almost be more dangerous. And I say that because religion um, is just, is just as much a state of lostness as rebellion but it, it looks so much better on the outside, at least on the surface, because it can come disguised as morality or positivity or whatever, you know, self-sufficiency, success, whatever. And, uh, and so it's, it, to me, I, I don't hope, hope I'm not talking too long. So cut me off if, if you good, need to, man. Keep going, but please. Um, to me, it goes back to the, the Garden of Eden. You know, I believe in the biblical narrative. Obviously, I wouldn't be preaching the Bible if I didn't believe it with all my heart. And when Adam and Eve sin, you know, the first sin was one of rebellion. Um, that's the first ditch they fell into. God gave them commands. Uh, he told them, you know, not to eat of a certain fruit. They did because they thought they knew better. And there was a consequence for that. The, the second ditch, though, they fell into was religion. And religion was how they tried to fix the rebellion, right? Mm. So what they did, instead of running back into the arms of their heavenly father, who was full of grace and had his arms wide open, they decided they were going to try to uh, patch themselves back together. And they literally, it says they made coverings for their nakedness and they tried to cover the shame of their nakedness uh, themselves through their own effort, through their own ingenuity. And, um, and it's interesting in that story, they come to God wearing these silly little garments that they've made for themselves. And, uh, and that's what I believe is very symbolic of what religion is. It's, it's, mm. it's human attempts to try to make ourselves presentable to God or to work our way back into good standing with God. Right. Yeah. And, but that's and impossible, in, right? In the, mess, 
the message of the gospel is you don't work your way back to God. God comes and finds you right in the pit where you are. And he loves you exactly as you are and not as you think you should be. And he loves you way too much to leave you the way he finds you. Mm. And, uh, and that's just the beauty of the gospel, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, trying to, (laughs) man, do we go too deep too fast? No, 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 I'm just trying to wrap my brain. That's kind of like what I was saying. Like the more it's, I don't know if it's just, I don't know what it is, but the more I try to, um, understand stuff sometimes i just like i i trip myself out almost you know i'm like i have to keep it simple i think and like what you said um just about god's love being endless and there's no there's no amount of tasks or things we can do to like earn our way into um you know a heaven or grace or whatever it is where he loves us right where we're at right and i always come back to like the love thing and uh, my sponsor and i our chat this morning kind of came back around to, cause I, you know, I was asking some questions and we were kind of going back and forth and we both agreed that when I'm loving people and when I'm serving people and, um, when I am, when I am practicing living in as less or little fear as possible, that's when I feel great. And I just feel like that's God in some sense. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, the Bible says, you know, there is no fear in love because perfect love casts out fear. And uh, I think that encapsulates exactly, you know, what you said. God is love. Um, God is light. Uh, there is no darkness in him at all. And so whenever we uh, sense darkness, whenever we sense fear, whenever we sense condemnation, accusation, um, I think that's what a lot of one of the reasons I love what you're doing with your own life and your own story, Shane is, is allowing God to use it redemptively in people in other people's lives. Um, because, you know, shame and accusation and condemnation, those are things that the Bible clearly says don't come from God. Mm, um, yeah. but we hear those voices. And a lot of times I know for my friends in the recovery community and as someone who, um, has, has, uh, you know, done some of my own work to try to, um, live in that admission of powerlessness. Uh, you know, I, I, I really respect the fact that, that what you're trying to do is take people to a place where they understand that the, the fear that comes along with shame, condemnation, um, you know, unhealthy guilt, um, those kinds of things are not things that will ever ultimately transform us. Um, they might, sort of in a pseudo uh, sort of fake sense, whip us into shape on the surface, you know, yeah. uh, uh, for a while. But if we're really not truly transformed on the inside, if we truly don't come to a place where we're understanding that, that, yeah, we have this weakness, um, but, but that our weakness doesn't define us. Our weakness is with us, but it's not us. Mm-hmm. And to begin to live from that sense of new identity um, I think is just so, you know, so huge. Yeah. And I, I love the fact that you, uh, in your own way and in your own words, um, you bring that, you know, and I've heard those themes, uh, multiple times as I've listened to different, you know, different podcasts you put out. So really cool Thanks, stuff. Man. Dude, thank you. I appreciate that. And 
I most of the time I have no clue what I'm doing. <laughs> I gotta say, and I think that's what makes it that's what makes it great, I guess, and authentic yeah. and just I'm literally trying to put one foot in front of the other and just um be of service and have fun too. Like I, you know, yeah. I, I, I really do uh, enjoy like talking to people, like just the opportunity just to hang out and chat right now about this. Like it's so much fun to me and see where it goes. And then, and then we get to take that and share it with, you know, however many else other people get to hear it and feel yeah. like they're a part of it. So it's, it's just a, it's a great, it's a great thing, man. Um, and so thank you again. And yeah. one th this is totally like, this is how my brain works sometimes too. And so you were talking about the garden of Eden, right? And like the, yeah. the eating of the fruit and I'm sitting here on my Mac right now, right? As we record this, have you ever noticed what the logo is of the MacBook pro and what it is? It's a bite out of the apple. And so I'm wondering if there's any correlation there between that. Hmm. It's very interesting. <laughs> I wonder if that was done on purpose or if there, if there is something, I don't know. I'm going to have to look into that. <laughs> man so, I, you never know these days i yeah. i mean <laughs> so all right we'll, we'll move on we'll move on we'll talk about that on the golf course one day um yeah so <laughs> i uh so here, here's a question i had for you that uh that has that has came up uh, recently as well so i want to get your take on this and it's not the first time i've heard it it's probably not the first time you've heard it um i can almost bet money on that so somebody said to me recently there's so much evil in the world and there's so much stuff out there. Like how can God be real? And I know that's a, I know it's a, it's a, it's a broad question, but I, I, I think that it, it's like I said, it's been asked so many times. I know I've thought about it before mm -hmm. and I don't know that there's a, a right or wrong answer. I don't know. I'm just curious on what your take would be when somebody asks you that or has a question about it. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So definitely uh, the question is, common and uh i i believe there are probably about five maybe six major questions philosophical questions that people wrestle with that are considered to be roadblocks for people you know coming to faith in god and specifically faith in christ i think and that's one of them you know um why does why does a loving god if he exists allow such pain suffering evil in the world right um, and yet the ironic thing is the existence of pain and suffering and evil, um, in my opinion, actually, um, actually adds weight to the, uh, probability. And I would say assurance that God exists. Mm. Um, because if, if we have a sense of moral conviction in the fabric of who we are, where does that sense of moral conviction come from in the first place? Um, when, when you and I look at an unjust situation, we've had a lot of conversations over the past couple of years about yeah. things that we believe are unjust things going on, you know, uh, in government and in society and those kind of things. And where does that sense of righteous indignation or anger when something's messed up in the world, where does that even come from? Like if we're all just the process of random chance evolutionary processes, and all we are is basically advanced, you know, pond scum, uh, <laughs> then, then where does that sense of, of why, why, sh why do we even have a right to ask a question about pain and suffering? Cause that's supposed to be all there is. If in, in the, in Darwinian evolutionary theory, it's just survival of the fittest and the weak get 
siphoned out and the the strong survive until they get overcome right and that's to me that's that the the, uh those that would take um that view have have uh you know that evolutionary theory can explain all this i think it takes more faith to believe when you, when you look at the intricacies of the world, not just not just the creative intricacies of of the solar systems and the you know the universe and the earth that we live on and the ecosystems and all that, but then you look at the emotional complexity of a human being, um, and the, the the spiritual dimension, the the metaphysical parts of us, and all of that. I think it takes more faith to not yeah. believe in God <laughs> than point. to believe in God. Yeah. I uh... so. I think, well, I think that, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and go with, uh, I'm going to, you know, take that risk and believe because, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like there's a, you got, you have two choices kind of, but what about somebody who, what about someone who's had, this kind of goes back to the earlier question. What about Mm -hmm. someone who's had a bad experience with religion? Like maybe they Mm -hmm. grew up you know, in that maybe they had someone hurt them when they were young, or maybe, um, you know, they just have this skewed sense, um, of like this religious, you know, aspect of of what God is, you know, what about that person? Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I never want to gloss over or make light of someone's personal pain, um, from as a result of a of mistreatment from another person, uh, especially if it was a person who, you know, claimed to be one thing and turned out to not be that thing or whatever, whether it was a spiritual leader that hurt them or whether it was a family member that, that claimed to, you know, have this, this vibrant faith or whatever. And they turned out to be a Jekyll and Hyde thing or whatever. I mean, I know there are a lot of situations out there where people have been hurt and, um, and what gives me comfort, I look at my own life, you know, and, and the, the hurts that I came through growing up in a dysfunctional family with a, you know, a, a dry alcoholic father um, and uh, and other, you know, addictive influences in, in my life and, and in the life of my family. Um, and I look at the pain I went through and 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 there's some some definite things that I had to reconcile and some some reckonings that had to that had to come. But I think what really brought me to that place of, of um, healing was Jesus, Jesus himself. Now, when I say that, I don't mean that in some cliche sense. I mean, when you look at the, the story of Jesus in the Bible and you look at who he is and what he came to accomplish and everything that he endured to, to rescue me. I mean, that, that was his claim that, you know, he, he came into the world to rescue sinners. And, um, and I'm, I was one of those when I was born into this world. And so, um, you know, the, I look at what Jesus endured for me and the fact that he endured rejection, that he endured backstabbing, that he endured, um, some of the most vitriolic, uh, disgusting displays of, of betrayal any human being has ever experienced, including, being nailed to a, yeah. a, a cross while his members of his own faith background not only watched but cheered, mm-hmm. and um, and this is a God who 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 tells me that he loves me like many gods of many religions do, 
But in my experience, and I mean no disrespect to any other faith or any other religion, but other gods, uh, they, they they say that they, they that they love their creation. They say that they love humanity. But Jesus is the only God I've ever found and experienced who actually came to endure the pain that I that I suffer and and to rescue me in the midst of it and to rescue. So so I have a, a sympathetic and not just a sympathetic, but an empathetic God, an empathetic savior. And that doesn't mean that that what someone did to me in the past was is OK or that it's that it wasn't wrong. Uh, but it means that I have a God who understands not just theoretically because he's God and he knows everything, but experientially he understands what I've walked through at the deepest level and yeah. probably at a deeper level than I've experienced pain. Yeah, that's so good, man. And it's it's making me think of or just reinforcing the the separation between Jesus and religion. Like there seems to be a big like <laughs> separation there. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, is that fair yeah. to say? Like yeah. So we, yeah, so I we, think so this is the anti-religion, man. I think he came to look religion and what it had become square in the face and say, this is not God's plan. This is not God's intent. As I said, you know, go back to the Eden story. I believe yeah. the first expression of, of religion was right there after the fall. And there was this shame, this nakedness. The Bible says that they were, they were ashamed because they were naked and um, and so they tried to clothe themselves. And the story goes on to say that when they came to God with these silly little makeshift clothing that they made yeah, over their bodies, <laughs> God received them back. But he, but he, it says he took animal skins and he, he covered their nakedness with animal skins as if to say, and if you know the Bible, that may seem insignificant if that's the only story you read in the Bible. But if you read the unfolding of the whole story of the Bible, you realize that that God had a plan and that that was a very early development of, Hey, you can't cover your shame. You can't cover your sin with plants or, you know, there has to be a life given for a life because the wages of sin is death. And so, uh, and so by the, 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 the giving of those animal skins, that was the Mm -hmm. first mention or first allusion to the idea of anything ever dying um, in that, in those early days of, of creation, right? Cause everything was perfect until sin entered. And then God apparently sacrifices an animal and covers their nakedness with the skins of those animals as if to say, Hey, uh, I know you, I, I know you're naked. I know you feel ashamed, but I've got you. Uh, yeah. And I'm going to cover you on my terms, not yours. Huh? I love that. Yeah. It's making, it's, it's actually giving me some little flashbacks, man, of just like the, the moment of when you, when you mentioned like trying to cover our shames and trying to, um, hide, you know, hide out and act like put on that mask almost like everything is just, everything's fine. Like I got this, like I'm good. And the relief in the acceptance and the ability to let go. And, and, and finally, I remember just when I first said, like, I need some help, God, help, yeah. like help me. And I, rem- I, I remember that feeling like of it literally floating off of my shoulders, like the weight of the world so floating cool. off of my shoulders. And it, I think there's something to that. It sounds like in the analogy that, that you just used in, you know, the, the, um, the covering of Adam and Eve in that of the sin itself. Right. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. In fact, the word atonement, 
which we we use a lot in in Christian circles. The word atonement means covering, and um, in the Old Testament, uh, the sins of the of the people were covered through the atoning sacrifices of the blood of bull, you know, bulls and goats and, and animals. Uh, but all of that was only temporary. You know, the the Bible is a story from the fall all the way through the redemption, right? And yeah. And uh, what's so cool is how the Bible unfolds. You get to the New Testament and the proclamation is that Jesus is the Lamb of God. Uh, John the Baptist said Jesus is the Lamb of God who not covers the sins of the world, but actually takes them away. And so there's a deepening of it. There's a covering that happens of sin so that God could have relationship with his people in the Old Testament because sin was covered. But in the New Testament, sin is taken away. Mm. And uh, the Lamb of God bears the sin and and washes it completely away. So, you know, we're white as snow and we're clean. And I think a lot of times you get back to that shame idea. I, I believe that um, I believe there's a, a, a such a thing as healthy guilt. Right. It's it, in the objective sense. If I've done something wrong, if I have wronged you, Shane, um, I think there's everything right about me feeling a sense of doggone it. I sh- I feel bad about that. I shouldn't have done that. Right. And I need, and I might need to go make amends to you, apologize to you, ask for your forgiveness. Hopefully you're walking in grace and you're going to forgive me and we make amends and we're friends. Right. Um, That's the way it's supposed to work. Um, But shame. So, so guilt, healthy guilt says, Oh, I've done something wrong. Um, I've done something messed up and, and I need to maybe make amends or confess that or whatever. Shame, on the other hand, says it, it goes beyond guilt. And it says, no, you're, you are wrong. You're shameful. Um, you're messed up. You're beyond redemption. It's an identity. Shame gets to, you know, attacks our identity, whereas guilt is about our behavior. I, I behaved uh-huh. wrongly and I, I need to make that right. Shame is about our identity is, hey, you are wrong. You're, you're uh, beyond redemption. You're unlovable. And I, I know a lot of folks that struggle with addictive behaviors and life dominating sins and things like that, myself included at times. Um, it's, it's, it's rooted in shame. It's rooted in that listening to that, those lies about your identity. Yeah. Yeah. That, um, you, you, you said something last, I think it was last week at the end about being clean. And, and we have a lot of that talk in the, in the recovery community about being clean, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, I thought that was really good. I can't remember. I'm, I'm kind of going to paraphrase. Maybe you, maybe you remember exactly, but we, you, you said like, we we're already clean. Like we're already forgiven. We're already clean. Like we, so, and I think that helps an understanding of that for me, at least like to help to rid some of that shame, you know, right there in that moment. Like I have redemptions possible. Like we can live better lives. Yeah. We can be the, the people yeah. that we're meant to be, yeah. you know? I yeah. thought that was good though. It was, yeah. It, it, and I never thought about it like that. I said, man, yeah, it's kind of right. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's the great thing. And I think even a lot of religious religiosity and religious forms of Christianity even miss this. The fact that we are totally forgiven and that we are totally clean. The moment we trust in Christ, the message of the gospel is, you know, forgiveness is a done deal. We don't have to keep going to God, you know, um, getting little doses of forgiveness. It's a, it's a one and done deal. The cross is eternal. The cross actually worked. Um, and so what we need to be about though, is, is when we do sin, um, you know, or we do, or we are, whether it's a moment in time or whether it's a season we're in or whatever, um, it's not to beat ourselves up with shame. Um, shame never freed anybody of anything. Shame just 
just puts you in a stronger prison. Right. Um, But it's to be honest and authentic with God and just say, just to come to him as that new creation with that new identity and say, God, um, I'm sorry, man, I I messed up. I let, I let what the Bible calls the flesh get the best of me. I didn't walk according to the the spirit that um, I'm now designed. I've been redesigned to walk by. Um, And, and so we have a talk with God about it. We have a talk with our heavenly dad about it. Um, but but it's not a it's not this guilt ridden begging session where we you know we come to God. Confession is not this. Oh God, please take me back. He, he never left you. Like yeah. you know, he it, what's there to take back? You're His. You belong. He bought you with His own blood. Like that's yeah. the message of the gospel. He's not. It's not about being taken back. He never left you in the first place. Nor yeah. nor has the thought ever crossed his mind. Yeah, yeah. I've 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 that that makes a lot of sense too. In the fact of like. I always felt like God was with me even through the times that I didn't acknowledge it. You know, when I, when I look back now, you know, when I look back now and, um, and at the time, you know, just like completely out of it and not really known, but, um, he's always been there. He's always been there. Um, one, and this might seem like a, a, a simple question. Um, but I've thought about it and I'm wondering if anyone else has ever thought about it. Um, when you said like at the beginning of our conversation, you said, you know, something along the lines of, I gave my life to Christ. So what does that look like? To How does somebody give their life to Christ? Is it just something you say? Is it something you do? Like what, you know what I'm saying? Like for someone out there listening, and this is even a little bit for me, like what, like how do we do that? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good question. Well, so you don't have to understand, people don't have to understand, um, everything about you know theology or anything to to uh to just have simple faith in christ but from a theological perspective really you know we use phrases like giving your life to christ or or accepting christ or whatever um i'm not against those phrases um they're they're sort of just jargon that we use but what we really mean by that is um admitting that we really have no no life of our own to even give um, what we're really doing is we're, we're receiving the life of Christ and he is exchanging. He's coming into, we, sometimes we call it, there was a great missionary named Hudson Taylor and he coined the term uh, exchanged life. Um, and so I love that term because we exchange our ugliness. We exchange our brokenness. We exchange our, our, our unloveliness. Um, yeah. And we, get in exchange for that we get christ's loveliness christ's righteousness christ's uh you know faithfulness all of those things given to us as free gifts um and and that's all part of the salvation package according to the new testament of of the scriptures and so i just think i'm so thankful for you know in related to to um to recovery and what this shows about you know i i'm so thankful for the way God has used uh, recovery ministry over the last, what's it been a, almost a hundred years since AA was, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, like uh, kind of conceived of and, um, and really uh, I'm not an expert, but in terms of my own understanding, I believe AA was founded on, you know, by a Christian businessman who, you know, believed in Christian principles or whatever. And I love that. I mean, I think there's so much good that God has done with it. And so I want to tread carefully and not sound critical because I'm not at all, because I know it's helped millions of people, myself included. Um, but, I, you know, I, I, I really think one of the, the, the unique things and the unique messages about 
the power of the Christian gospel is that identity piece that sometimes people either misunderstand or they don't, they're not aware of because they don't know Christ or whatever. And so my friends who know Christ who are in recovery, um, I love talking about this stuff with them and just reminding them that, you know, um, be careful when you say, you know, I'm an alcoholic, be careful to realize the difference between your identity and your behavior. Um, you may be behaving in addictive ways, but your identity, no matter how bad you've struggled over the last 24 hours or the last 24 days or the last 24 years, if you know Christ, your identity has not changed. Your identity is you are a forgiven, righteous son or daughter of the most high God, and nothing will ever take that away from you. And you're not going to walk in greater freedom over your addictions, over your life dominating sins by shaming yourself or by listening to the voice of shame that tells you, no, you're fake, you're phony. Um, you know, if you were a real Christian, why would you still be struggling with this all these times? You know, all yeah. those, those voices, those don't come from God. Yeah. Um, and so we have to, that's the part that probably the, the biggest part of the faith journey for me is believing what Christ says about me, even when I don't feel like yeah. I'm that person. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I, and I know those voices are real like that. You're not good enough because yeah. I've heard them too. You know? <laughs> and um, yeah. it is, it's conflicting sometimes. Like it's like you're, you're almost pulled in two different directions. Like in, in, um, you know, it's like, I want to do what's right, but I just don't, you know, sometimes like, isn't that yeah. Paul? I think it's, some, you know, something, yeah. uh, yeah. Romans seven, yeah. Romans seven. There it is yeah. from Paul. Yeah. I, I, yeah. It's, and it's so real in, inside. Um, yeah. and you know, I, I, and I think with that, like being in community and like a fellowship and like around other other people, other men in particularly, like I, I love men's groups just because we can, we can talk about this stuff and we can talk openly about, you know, pretty much anything. Um, there's so much power in that too. And bringing and bringing together, um, you know, people and being able to communicate about it and ask questions about it. And, you know, we, um, I had a friend of mine, Ray today in, in, in one of our groups. And he said, uh, is my buddy static. And I, he said, man, I know you guys, you, you do a lot of group work and, and, and meetings and you guys talk a lot. And he said, um, you know, I'm new to this and it's just not normal. It's not normal. Like not everybody does this. And I'm like, yeah, I guess you're right. Like we just kind of do it and I love it and we do a lot of it, but a lot of people don't see it like that, but everyone has the opportunity to do it. It's just right. about stepping out and saying like, okay, let me try something else. Cause maybe this isn't working. So let me try, yeah. you know, let me try something else. Let me try a different path, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know where I'm going with that, man. I'm a little, yeah. I, I feel a little well, off today. I gotta be honest. I don't know what, I don't know if it was the, the nap earlier or what, but I hope I'm not hitting you with some crazy, like super weird questions or hard questions or anything like that. I, nah, I no, it's yeah. good. In fact, you know, yeah, just, I, I'm loving it. And, and you know what you said about, um, well, I could go on. Yeah, well, let, I, I could go on. Let, I, I don't want to. So let me just be, uh, let me be a hundred percent honest actually right now in this moment. I think this is a great opportunity to do this is I think the reason I feel like insecure almost and a little bit off right now is because 
I don't read my Bible enough and I feel like my the, my theological like perspective there it, there's doubt in that for me. I think mm-hmm. there's doubt. I have a lot of um you know different feelings about things but I just feel at the same time um uh yeah, I just feel doubt sometimes in that. So I don't know, maybe it's good to just admit that and and just um sit in it for a minute. I don't know. You yeah. Know? Yeah. A little weird. That's okay. You know, the again, the the amazing thing about the gospel to me and and the the reason I was originally attracted to Jesus in the first place, I, I actually took a, a pretty hard look at at a lot of different faith expressions. And again, I have no disrespect for for uh friends that that uh see it a different way, but what attracted me to Jesus was the fact that um that he welcomed doubters. Um, I'm, I'm a doubter by nature. I'm a skeptic by nature. My, when I say by nature, I mean my human nature, my temperament, my personality is not to believe things like just at face value. Um, I want to know uh, why, uh, you know, people say what they say and believe what they believe. And, and so um, that can be a strength, but you know, it can be a weakness as well. And, and I love, you know, when I like when, when I come in into an encounter with Jesus, like in the story of Thomas, after Jesus is resurrected from the dead, right? Like who resurrects from the dead? That's <laughs> never, you know, I mean, yeah. of, of course, some people were going to doubt that, right? Yeah. And Thomas was like, hey, I'm right in front of the disciples. He's just as honest as you just were with me. And he just said, I'm not going to I'm not going to be able to believe this, guys. Like, I, <laughs> you know, and. Yeah. And unless he appears to me, you know, or whatever. And then Jesus walks into the room and he goes up to Thomas and he lets him touch his, his scars, you know? And, Mm. and uh, what I love about that, that story is that Jesus didn't come in and storm into the room and say, the hell's wrong with you, Thomas. Like, (laughs) you know, uh, you, I can't even get you, you know, I did all these miracles. You don't even believe like you're you're kicked out of the group. You know what I mean? He doesn't do that. He, he comes to Thomas and he, he, and he just meets Thomas where he's at. And he says, is this what you need? Then I'll meet you there and I'll, and I'll prove myself to you. Mm. And man, that is just powerful to me that yeah. God doesn't kick, kick doubters out of his family. He doesn't kick, um, you know, he's the God who, who, who stands next to the prostitute while everybody else is punishing her. And he says, Hey, you know, I don't condemn you and I want to help you leave your life of sin. Um, He goes to the woman at the well who none of the Jews, especially Jewish men would talk to and were supposed to talk to. And then you add on to that. He's a rabbi and all of these different cultural and religious no-nos. And Jesus comes up to this woman at the well and he just gets into her life and just starts loving on her and, and meets her where she's at. I mean, just over and over and over and over, you see Jesus do this. And um, I, I look at that compared to any other claim of 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 any sort of a faith nature, and and I have to tell myself, man, if if this is really who God is, as as He's revealed in Jesus, yeah. um, that's the God I want to I want to trust. Yeah, yeah, but but like why? But why is there so much doubt for people sometimes? Like, well, like you know, there's, and I really do struggle with that. The doubt, like in in. Um, not that I don't think like Jesus is real or is like, you know, it was like, um, saved us, you know, as humanity, but like, I think it's more of a doubt in trying to figure things out and punch holes in stuff sometimes, which people will do, you know? And so it's like, 
um, I go down this path sometimes and it does, it does create like questions there. And I think that goes back to when we first started, when that's kind of what I meant when I said, the more I try to figure things out, like the worse I get, it seems like, you know, it's like trying to, yeah. I, why, why do we have this deep desire? We got to know, we got to know like yeah. exactly, but isn't it much yeah. more simple? Shouldn't it be simple? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we're all different. You know, I think, um, I, I love, I don't know if you've heard of the term apologetics. Mm -hmm. um, I, apologetics is, you know, for the listeners who might not know, apologetics in terms of the way it's used in, in Christian circles, it's it just means to give a defense. Uh, it doesn't mean to apologize, but it means to give a defense. It's from a Greek word. Um, and it and, and so apologetics is all about, you know, a rational, giving a rational defense for the claims of Christianity and the claims of the Bible. And there are many great apologists who, who God used in my own life to help me think through some of these doubts and questions that I had. And, yeah. and even still, you know, at times will pop into my head and I'll be wrestling with something or whatever. And I'll turn to a guy like C.S. Lewis, or I'll turn to a guy like Josh McDowell, or I'll turn to someone like even, you know, modern day, like, Tim Keller or people who are really, um, really formidable minds um, at, uh, you know, working through this stuff. And it's just amazing to me that I, I'm reminded and you know, as I as I glean from these other people who have gone before me, I'm reminded of what an intellectually hardy faith Christianity really is. Um, it's rooted in the facts of history. Um, it's it's built on on ironclad testimony it's got so many different um checks and balances to it that you know uh there, there's just there's no way that the bible could have been written uh by uh, you know some guy who took a walk in the woods and and claimed to have had a revelation from god like 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 some religious yeah. scriptures claim to be you know this was a book that was written by over 40 different human authors over 1500 years in three different languages on three different continents on hundreds of controversial subjects. And yet from Genesis to revelation, the Bible presents a cohesive non-contradicting story yeah. of a savior of a world that tanks into sin and a savior that comes to redeem us. I mean, it's just, there's no pretty other, amazing. there's no other book that comes close to that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's pretty amazing when you put it like that too. <laughs> Is this, I don't know if it's just the older I get, but like the more, and yeah. there's so much beauty in this world, but there's a lot of jacked up things too, you know, and it does, I can see where that question comes from, but yeah, um, for sure. When you put it like for that sure. though, it's pretty insane. It's pretty amazing at the same time, you know? Um, what's, uh, what's next for, what's next for you, Jeremy, just preaching the word, loving life. Um, yeah. Taking care of the family. Um, yeah. yeah. So my kids are, are pretty much grown. Um, you know, I mean, my youngest is a junior. So, um, my, this is a conversation like what's next is kind of a conversation that my wife and I are having more <laughs> frequently now. Cause like what's next yeah. used to be, well, what's next is uh, baseball practice and what's next <laughs> is, you know, yeah. whatever was coming up that day. And, uh, yeah. kind of like the stage you're in right now, I'm you know, hundred your... percent in that right now. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so, um, but yeah, I appreciate you asking the question. You know, we, we love where God has us, uh, we always want to be open to whatever, wherever he guides us, but we, we feel super grateful to be where we're at. Um, we have no plans of, uh, leaving anytime soon. 
Um, you know, we, we feel like uh, California, like you said, it's a, it's an awesome place to live. It's a difficult place to live. Uh, and it's, yeah. but you know what, every, every place has got its awesome features and it's difficult features and it's just part of the fallen world. And, um, and I don't judge anybody who's, you know, run from California or whatever. I know people have their, their reasons for doing that. Um, and it's tough for, for certain families to, to stay for different reasons or whatever. For some people, you know, they have, uh, children that may be prone to vaccine injury or whatever, and to have a school system that, you know, doesn't offer medical or religious exemptions for kids. You know, I know that's been an issue for some people that I've known personally that have felt like they've had to leave the state. So I'm making no judgment at all when I, when I get it, that there's reasons people leave. Um, But I just feel like for us right now, unless and until the skies open up and the voice of God says, hey, you know, you're out of here. um, (laughs) We feel called here and we feel um, we feel fulfilled. I I wrote a book. uh, It's coming up on 10 years. And so I hope that by this fall it was released in November of 2012. And I hope to re-release. That was my first book. So I hope to re-release that, update it and re-release it uh, this fall as kind of a 10th year anniversary to that. And then I hope to write a uh, finally get to get around to writing kind of the sequel to it. Nice. Um, but it's all you... about a lot of the things we talked about today, you know, just identity in Christ resting in his grace, mm. um, not allowing Christianity to become a religion, but uh, making sure that, you know, we just are, are just resting in, in God's approval of us through Christ. And for mm. me in overcoming a lot of things, life dominating sins, uh, addictive types of, of behaviors that has been so huge for me to just, it's almost like it's so counterintuitive, the gospel, because we live in a world that tells us we got to work our way out of our problems and Jesus comes. And I'm not, not saying that there's not elements that feel like work, but really the key is to rest. The key is to stop working, to stop flailing, to stop striving and to rest in him and allow him Mm to live his supernatural life somehow in me and through me. That's been the most mind boggling experience for me as a follower of Jesus is to realize that the Christian life is not a difficult life to live. It's an impossible life to live. (laughs) And, and I can't do it, which actually aligns pretty well with a lot of the recovery principles of powerlessness and that kind of thing. Like I can't do it. I can't do it. And so the only way I can do it is through complete dependence upon Jesus, um, in, who in my case is, is my higher power and always will be. Um, and, and to allow him to live that supernatural life in me and through me. Um, and so what it does, what the gospel does is an invitation for me to return back to that state that Adam and Eve lived in before the fall, where they just woke up every morning and they just said, sort of naively said, all right, God, you've got this. (laughs) Yeah. Just complete faith and trust, huh? Yeah. No worry, no, yeah. you know, no, no tasks. I need to do more, 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 more. Like yeah. that whole mentality, it's tough. What about, uh, what about Thin Mints and Girl Scout cookies? Can I need some help with that? Because I ate a whole dang sleeve of them last night. They're so good. <laughs> it's funny you <laughs> mentioned that because like I was in Phoenix. Is, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was in Phoenix at a at, at ASU watching my daughter in law play softball yeah, last weekend. That's right. We, we cruised over to like Trader Joe's to get something to eat. Um, and we're on our way back to the stadium. It was a break between games. And there was this little Girl Scout cookie uh, booth. And man, I saw those Thin Mints. And I promised myself I was, wasn't going to eat bad on this trip. And sure enough, 
There goes my five bucks. I grab the box and I'm sitting there at the game eating Thin Mints, man. Dude, it's so easy to eat a whole row of those things. Like I mean, oh. in like ten minutes, yeah. you just—it's like Pringles. Yeah. You're just popping them, popping them, and then take the other half home and crimple them up on ice cream or something. You know, <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah, put them in the freezer. <laughs> yeah, we were driving, uh, or we were riding over to the park on our bikes the other day. Me and Cash, he was meeting a little buddy at the park and, and uh, on the corner, there was the Girl Scout, you know, they, they lived right there, but they had a little booth set up with like six boxes. And so we ended up getting, getting four, I think four boxes, s'mores, thin mints, you know, man, it's like, oh, it's like kryptonite stuff. So good. So those new s'mores, those are pretty good too. They're so pretty dang good. Someone else in our group picked up the s'mores and I had one of those. It was good. <laughs> yeah, that's good stuff, man. Oh, well, I just appreciate you coming on uh, on the podcast today and uh, just chatting a little bit and letting me ask you some crazy questions and uh, have a little bit of fun. Um, any, uh, well, let's do two things. Any last words maybe for someone out there struggling or someone who, you know, might um, just might need a little bit of encouragement. Uh, and then after yeah. that, if there's someone who's looking for a church or for a pastor, I do a lot of online services through Valley, which are great. Um, I just, I love what you guys are doing. Jess and I just love what you guys are doing. And we just, uh, we're just so grateful to be a part of it and um, to be able to have a place to call, uh, to call home. And uh, man, if, so if there's anyone else who was out there looking for that, maybe they want to connect with you. Maybe you could plug that as well. Yeah. Thanks, man. You know, I, I have to come at this, these closing words from, from my own experience with Jesus. Right. And, and, um, I know not everybody out there in the listening audience is, uh, at a place where maybe they, they, they trust in Christ or whatever. And I, I totally respect where you're at. I know we're all on a journey. Um, but I just want to, you know, encourage anybody who's struggling to, uh, uh, to not give up, um, and to know that there is a God who loves you so much that he would rather come and die than live without you. Um, that's the essence and the heart of what I believe. And if I, if I, if I hadn't trusted in that, and if I hadn't believed in that, God only knows where my life would have ended up. Um, and I want you to know that, um, that there are, if you've been hurt by, uh, someone in the faith or, or a spiritual leader or someone you trusted, not only am I deeply sorry, um, but I also want you to know that there are many, many, many countless men and women who, um, who are not like that and who would never intentionally hurt you um, and who love Jesus. And, uh, and I just want you to, I just want to encourage anybody who's been hurt. Please don't, please don't project someone else's faults and failures onto Jesus and assume that he is the way other people uh, have trusted you. So if you could just take that from this, uh, have treated you, I mean. So if you, if, if you could just take that from this podcast today, keep your head held high. I say it a lot after a lot of my messages at Valley, it just keep your head held high. If you've trusted in Christ, you're a, you're a blood-bought son or daughter of the living God. Mm. And so what greater identity could you know and what greater identity could you live from than that? Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, if you ever want to join us, uh, valleychurch.com is our, 
is our uh, website and you can follow along, find our service times for online and in person. If you're ever in Northern California, cruising through the Vacaville area, you know, come hang out, join us. Um, and, uh, yeah. And, you know, my book is called the gospel uncut. It's available on Amazon, but if you, um, you know, if you, if you can't, if you like honestly can't afford it, um, reach out to me, you go to our website, you can, you can contact me through there. Just go to our staff page and I'll send you a free copies. Uh, so I don't want, I don't want affordability to be a, a hindrance to anybody. So, um, if that book can be an encouragement to you, reach out to me. So, and Shane, dude, I love you, man. You're awesome. Thanks for uh, being my friend and, and, and letting me come on the podcast today. Oh yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on. I did not know that you wrote a book 10 years ago. I'm like so pumped now for that. So everything that Jeremy just talked about, we'll make sure we put in the show notes. We'll put valleychurch.com in there. We'll put the a link to the book in there. Um, and then, uh, that way, you know, you guys can go there and find it very easily. Um, and man, keep us posted on, if you're doing an update, an updated version of it, you said you were working on that. That's awesome. Man. Yeah. And then we'll, we'll do another podcast sometime soon too. If you're, if you're Sounds up for good. it, man. Yeah. That'd be, it'd be amazing. Good stuff. Thank you, Jeremy. I appreciate you, man. All right, bro. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening today. Uh, be sure to check us out at that sober You can follow us on Instagram at that sober guy podcast. Join our locals men's group. Check out valleychurch.com as well. All the links from today's episode will be in the show notes. Thank you, guys. I love you. Uh, just to piggyback on what Jeremy said, don't give up. There's always hope. There's always another path. And, uh, man, if no one's told you they love you today, Jeremy and I love you. I can tell you that much. Peace, love, and respect. Keep your blood clean. With your way.